Welcome to the SOAR podcast. Thank you for your support. If you want to continue to support this podcast, there are a few things you can do for me. Please like, subscribe, and share. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you would give me a five-star rating. And if you really feel motivated, go ahead and write a review. So welcome to SOAR, the Sisters Overcoming and Rising podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie, your host, and I'm here to help women overcome limiting beliefs so that they can live their best lives. Sisters, come together now, come together now. It's time to help each other out, help each other out. It's time for transformation, time for healing. You've got the potential, you've got the power now. Sisters, overcoming and rising. Hello, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you. I am so glad to have you here to talk about this topic from debt to destiny. First, I would just love to hear your story. And if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became so passionate about financial freedom. Yes, thank you so much for this opportunity to discuss my journey and the topic of Debt to Destiny and on your fabulous SOAR radio show. So I am Shay Cook and I am the CEO and founder of Crusaders for Change. And while stationed in Turkey with my husband, who was in the Air Force at the time, I was called by my spirit to help people with their finances. I wasn't obedient at first and was focused on getting a government job, but God had other plans. And after my spirit spoke to me, I ended up being hired for a civilian job working for the Air Force's Family Center in Turkey. And one of my fellow co-workers told me about a fellowship for military spouses that helped them obtain an accredited financial counseling certification. And I applied because it looked good on my resume, but later realized how pivotal that opportunity was in meeting God's ultimate goal of me helping his people with his finances. So we moved to Maryland shortly afterwards, and I obtained another government job with the Army Family Center at the old Walter Reed and finished up the fellowship then. And I was hired to run the local financial readiness program and later was promoted to director of the center, but was laid off in September 2011 due to the installation closing. But within two weeks, I obtained another government job with the Coast Guard headquarters and was able to start their financial readiness program and was later promoted again to chief of family services division. But around 2016, working for the Coast Guard started getting really uncomfortable. And I stepped out on faith and started Crusaders for Change, but stayed with the Coast Guard. And after dealing with some very hard situations and obtaining a contract with the FINRA Foundation, the same organization that offered me the fellowship back in 2007, I left my federal job in July 2018 to run the business full time. And it was the best professional decision in my life. Wow. It sounds like it has truly been a journey for you. Yeah. And thank you so much for just sharing your journey, because a lot of times people will look at you and they'll see where you are, but they can't see what you've been through in order to get where you are. So I love just being able to kind of understand what people have gone through to get to where they are today. On this show, I love talking about limiting beliefs which can be barriers to our success. 
But often I find that finances or lack of finances present just as huge a barrier to people pursuing their dreams as their thoughts or limiting beliefs. So this topic is really very important to empowering women and empowering men. What do you think are some of the biggest barriers to our financial empowerment? Yeah, that is a great question. I would start with self because many people are getting in their own way to achieving financial empowerment. They are focused on what is right in front of them more, which is great to live in them now, but they aren't planning for their futures. And also shame. People have trouble releasing shame from past mistakes or family irresponsibility, lack of education. People are not educated on the basics about money, saving, responsible spending, handling debt, building wealth, legacy, and estate planning, and the list goes on. And we'll discuss this a little later, but we must realize many are still hindered by systemic racial issues that hurt them financially. Yeah, absolutely. You, you touched on some that I can definitely relate to, especially the shame piece. I think sometimes when it comes to money, um, there's a lot of emotion kind of wrapped up into how we feel about money, you know, how we were raised, like what our financial values were growing up. So that's going to be interesting to hear a little bit more about. So I personally believe that building community through building sisterhood, which is one of the things that SOAR does, is one of the keys to us being able to thrive and overcome some of the issues within our community. So as the CEO and founder of Crusaders for Change, you work directly with the community to equip them with tools to be financially empowered. Why do you think that it's important for our community to be financially empowered? Yeah, another great question. It's important for our legacies. It's important for our culture. It's important for our people. We've been through a lot and deserve and feel and to be financially empowered. And for those who are actually doing well financially, they might be stuck in the mindset or a vicious cycle of feeling broke or not being able to do what they want to do financially when they could if they just took the time to do the work and find out why they feel this way and finally move forward with meeting financial goals that will still be felt once they leave this earth. For example, why is it that some of us finally receive the education we need to want, the salary we need to want, and the credit score we need to want and still don't have any real wealth to pass on to our families and kids? And this is where I believe counseling and coaching can really help. They may have the basic knowledge and tools, but they don't know how to utilize them and remain accountable to themselves to meet their goals. Mm, that, that is very true. I can think of so many different examples of how that comes to play. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's so many different building blocks to financial empowerment. You know, you have the debt piece, which we're talking about. Then you have the estate planning piece and you have the spending piece and you've got the mindset. So it's, it's just a lot going on. What are some of the most common issues that your clients come to you with that you're able to kind of help them through? The number one issue I see, especially getting new clients and working with new people during the pandemic is a 
lot of debt. Student loans and unsecured credit card debt is very, very common. And just needing a plan to pay it off. I'm seeing people with student loans, 200,000 plus unsecured credit card debt, not even understanding where this credit card debt came from. So really helping them with that. Bad credit, accounts and collections, late payments, not knowing how much money they're coming have coming in, but even more disturbing is how much is going out, living above their means. As some people say have more month than money. They're just really struggling to understand where their money is going. Using credit cards to subsidize their lifestyle is very you know common and the reason why they have a lot of debt. And the list goes on, but a lot of it, as we're discussing debt to destiny, is the debt, a lot of debt in our community. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there is so much debt in our community specifically? Is it just because we're living above our means or is it because we're not earning enough to actually live that we have to depend on credit cards? It's so many different reasons. I think a lot of it, unfortunately, is the systemic systemic stuff. Like I said, we're going to talk about a little later, but living above our means, I'm seeing trying to maintain this, you know, lifestyle that they just can't afford at that time that eventually they could if they saved and did the right things with that. And, and, you know, the income they have coming in and just, you know, no education on how to pay off things and when to pay them things off, seeing other family members and friends trying to keep up with the Joneses the Carters, the Kardashians, you know, <laughs> which eventually I, you can if you want to get to keeping up with your old last name eventually. But, you know, they're really struggling to keep this image, you know, and lifestyle. Um, but that's not a big part of it. I, I know a lot of people think that and have that stereotype. Some people are just trying to get by and they are struggling and they need credit cards to help them subsidize and just pay basic expenses. So really trying to navigate that whole, you know, different ideals and steps to uh, money management is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard. I, I can attest to that. You mentioned a little bit about, you know, habits and mindsets. And I was having a conversation with my brother this past weekend, and he was telling me how some he knows some people who've kind of fallen into some money and when they've fallen into this money they've gone out and done some spending gotten material things you know done some other things as if it's going to last forever and one of the things that he said that really struck me was that people are just living in the now Mm. and that's how he described it he's like you know they they don't really have a concept of saving or preparing for the future they're just really about living in the now And it seems like a lot of times for people who have not had money for a long period of time and, you know, you you hear these stories about the lottery winners when they win the money, a lot of times they lose it all. So what would you say are some of the habits or mindsets that keep us enslaved to money or to keep us in debt? Yeah, definitely. As I've discussed before, the generational shame and irresponsibility, spending above our means, lack of financial education, using credit cards to subsidize our lifestyles. But going back to what your brother was saying, you know, this whole FOMO, which is the fear of missing out, living in the now, people, what I've come across in my, you know, helping people for almost 20 years is they don't know how to delay their gratification. They want it now. They want it now. They want to go on the trip now. They want to buy the shoes now. They want to get this hair thing done now they want this now 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 instead of saying all right let's take a step back 
make sure that we're meeting our necessities and then let's stay for those things that we want those you know nice things those shoes those clothes those trips those whatever it might be and being able to delay that gratification so and i think unfortunately i hate to tie it back to the pandemic but we could see that now and some people are you know with the pandemic like i gotta still go out and do all this stuff sit at home and chill out for a little bit and then eventually we'll be able to get to where we are but it's a whole problem with the delayed um, gratification is where i would wrap it up to yeah i think you definitely hit on something there with delayed gratification but that is a big thing you know how do you help people change that mindset because that's a big one it is a big one and it's really taking a step back with the counseling piece i've been a counselor since 2008 it's really changing that behavior it's just like you know with dieting I always go back to that you know with cutting back on what you're eating and exercising and really getting a mindset this is what my body needs that yeah i would love to have that cheeseburger and fries and shake today but you know i might have to wait a month or two so i can get to where i need to be and only and do that you know sparingly and not you know every day so it's the similar concepts with you know with weight loss and training training, exercising that I have to teach to my clients to help them change their behaviors. And then sometimes go deeper and understand what did you learn in childhood? What traumas they might have had? I'm not a therapist, but, you know, just really helping them uncover that so they can start changing those beliefs about money. And and that sometimes it goes deeper. And I mean, I have two degrees in psychology. I'm not licensed, but that those degrees helped me learn, you know, the study of behavior and, and, and human behavior and understand why they might be doing that and then go through that and try to deal with that belief head on and then change that and say, okay, we can delay we can save and then the feeling that comes with delaying that gratification saving that money for a trip and being able to pay for a trip this is an example right out is an amazing feeling and then that gives them a little high to want to do it again and of course we start smaller milestones and build up to the bigger ones like for trips or paying for houses or paying off their student loans but once they start feeling that you know that can change how their behavior and then the accountability piece as you know as a coach is very important as well yeah, that is a great point right there about attaching the reward to the delayed behavior mm-hmm. instead of to the instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Because just like you were saying with dieting and exercising, when you do that thing that gives you that instant gratification, it wears off pretty quickly and it's soon mm-hmm. followed by shame. Yeah. But if you save or if you exercise or if you don't eat the cake and wait until later, and, and you make sure you connect that activity to some sort of reward or good feeling, then that definitely builds up that muscle and that habit of wanting to do it. So that's that. You explained that very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we talked about some of the personal responsibility and the personal mindsets and those things. But at times, I almost feel like the system is really set up to keep people living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, every other day you're getting something in the mail asking if you want to refinance or if you want to consolidate debt or if you want to do this or you want to do that. And it can be very confusing to figure out well, is this a good thing? Is this not a good thing? And I just wanted to ask you, am I imagining this or is there some truth to the fact that the system is kind of setting us up to live paycheck to paycheck? 
There's definitely some truth to this. You're not imagining anything. It is definitely, definitely some truth to that. And systemic barriers include, you know, expensive, outrageous, high, higher education costs, which leads to higher student loans debts, limited access to capital to start businesses, which is key to build, building wealth, higher interest rates to buy real estate and cars, et cetera, and lower wages and less benefits, which affects our ability to save and build wealth. And speaking to, the, you know, those offers that come in the mail, I've actually just stopped them all. I would actually open them up and there's a very back and fine print. There's a way to remove yourself for those. And I know it took about a couple months to get to that, but I don't hardly get in it anymore. So I made sure that I was on those lists. So you have to know that that's the education piece that's important as well. But there's truly systemic barriers out there that, you know, are causing us to feel like we have to live paycheck to paycheck, but it's also reality that some people are. So you have to learn how to play the game and play the system until things start changing. And so that's where I can come in and help people learn how to navigate that. That is great. We definitely need help with somebody who has the experience and who has the knowledge to kind of navigate us through the process because it's intentionally confusing, I think. So now that we've discussed some of the reasons why we may be in debt, how do we overcome those barriers? You mentioned systemic racism. You mentioned delayed gratification. You mentioned, you know, just poor habits of saving and those things. So how do we overcome some of those barriers so that we can go from debt to destiny or into living our best lives from limiting beliefs? And you talked about it a little bit with with what you do in terms of the delayed gratification. But for some of those other barriers that are more outside of yourself, how do you work with those? Exactly. I don't want to go too much in detail in terms of systemic issues and how they need to be fixed because they do, but they need to be fixed at the local, state and federal levels for us to really live our best lives. But until, you know, as we're working through that and, you know, whoever's involved with the politicians or, you know, the people that are involved in fixing those policies, you know, and holding them accountable through voting and other ways and getting involved in different community organizing and stuff. Education, education, education. I can't say that enough if you know it education is valued it is important i mean self-study or paid whether you're going on the internet and you know obviously there's ways to find the good information versus the bad and um but there's you know definitely self-study opportunities out there but the paid education local community colleges offer you know personal finance information a whole bunch of different organizations um offer actually through the federal government some um free organizations, FDIC, they have the Money Smart program. So there's all these different organizations out there that offer free education as well. But I really believe it's possible also to realize it takes time and a sacrifice, dedication and commitment to go from debt to destiny. You have to really believe it, but also realize that it takes those items. And Deal again, I can't say this enough because it's so important. I deal with all the time, deal with the shame and the unconscious issues, beliefs that you have about money and modify your behavior around spending, saving and investing. So those are some of the ways that we can get to living our best lives. Great. You mentioned time and that is one of the things and I know most of us don't get into debt overnight unless something catastrophic happens like a medical illness, which sometimes can put you into severe debt. But for those instances where you don't get into debt overnight, how long is a reasonable time to expect to be able to get out of debt? Let's say they sign up to work with you and they're going to change their spending habits, their investing habits and their saving habits. 
how long should they really be thinking that that process is going to take for them to get out of debt? Yeah. So getting out of debt is one thing and building wealth is another thing. So they can happen simultaneously, but if it took you years to accumulate all of that debt, it may just, it's going to probably take you just as long to pay it off. So I help people realize that. But again, you could simultaneously pay off your debt, save and invest. So don't let the debt stop you from putting 10, 20, 50, hundred dollars a paycheck into your retirement account, into savings account, into investments. And also you may have to sacrifice a trip to the hair nail salon a pair of shoes new outfit you might have to sacrifice eating out you might have to sacrifice expensive vacation but saving and investing is important to be building your wealth so i hope people understand that it can take months years but honestly you can start building wealth today just by putting money aside but then you need to pay off your debt and that might take some time okay so when you said building wealth you tied it into putting money into your retirement accounts so how's that different from investing because I would think that that's more on the investing side. It definitely is. But when we're dealing with investing and saving, it's very different. So saving, we look at this more of a short term thing. So that's saving for emergencies. You know, a lot of people used to say three to six months of your expenses. Now we're saying six, nine, 12 months of expenses because of the pandemic. So we've kind of increased that as professionals or just saving for, you know, a, a current goal, something in your house, a vacation. Investing is more for the long term. Um, so retirement is a piece of the pie for investing, you know, and there's a there's securities, obviously stocks, bonds, and, you know, cash reserves, so forth that you can put towards investing and working with a broker or an advisor or a planner, which I am not. I help people. I educate people on investing. I do not advise. There is a difference between saving and investing, but retirement is part of the investing, um, but peace. But there's other um, vehicles that you can use for investing for your future, for retirement or for, you know, whatever financial goals you might have after you retire. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Sometimes finances and wealth building seems like one of those topics that people like to keep information very close to the vest. Mm -hmm. So since we have you here, we're kind of holding you captive. What are some secrets that you can share with us that once you learned it, it was like a light bulb moment or something that you think that people tend not to share? Yeah. So I personally really don't believe there are any more secrets out there because the system was the bent, was built to intentionally hold us back from achieving wealth. But we all now have access to all of that information via the Internet and financial professionals. But strategically, we need to change the system and learn from those that are achieving wealth right off the back. So this is what I've seen from people that I know that built wealth and people that I follow to build wealth. These are just some of the things that they're doing following these so many things. So their parents paid for their college and or they had a small amount of student loan debt that they paid off within a short amount of time coming out of college or they went to, into a trade or a military and helped them accumulate a decent amount of income rather quickly. And they contribute to their company retirement plans right away and obtain the full match. They don't leave free money on the table. And if they don't have a company match, because not all companies do, they contribute to an individual retirement account, IRAs, et cetera, right away. And there's a couple ands here, a few ands. They're investing at young ages, benefiting from the compounding interest. 
and they buy houses at a young age and have investment portfolios that includes land and real estate, commercial and or um, residential. So they're not just buying just real estate and residentially. They're also doing it commercially and they save for emergencies and they have life insurance that will cover their funeral expenses and debts once they leave this earth, but also leaves their families a nice legacy fund. And finally, the last and is they are entrepreneurs owning multiple businesses and having multiple streams of income. So that's what I think one of the secrets and aha moments was, let me follow these people that actually have money. And these are real people that I've worked with, that I know that are, you know, out there in the industry, but also out there as a celebrity or whatever they might be, hold the role might be. But usually a combination or having all of these things usually helps them generate wealth. They're coming out with a level playing field. And it might sound like a lot, but it can be done. Definitely. Now, that is a great list. I think seeing those things individually, they make sense, but kind of hearing them all together, like this is kind of a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a way that we can kind of set our children up for success too, because if we didn't have the ability to do those things early on, we can set our children up, say, okay, well, these are the things that I know that are going to set them up for building wealth and just kind of move it to the next generation. So no, that was great. Thank you for the secret sauce. <laughs> no problem. I just don't, you know, people might get overwhelmed hearing that, but literally you just take it one by one. And you're right. I think that's the most important thing that I'm seeing right now, working with kids in high school that are, you know, and their parents are making really good money, but can't pay for school. So unfortunately, they're going to have a lot of debt coming out. It's really understanding. Let's help our children. You know, I don't want to hinder their retirement, but let's find a way to eventually get to a point where we can help our kids pay their school and not have a lot of debt, but then move and accomplish these other things. So they have a legacy as well. Absolutely. This is good stuff. So the other thing that comes to mind is that similar to people not sharing the scoop on finances, often as the black community, we don't tend to do as much collective wealth building as other communities. I think I heard a statistic that we have 500 times less wealth in the bank as a community compared to Hispanics and Asians. And I think that, like I said earlier, that our destiny is connected and that we can kind of reach it together. What are your thoughts about that, about collective wealth building? And do you think that's important? And what do you think is the best way to accomplish that? I do think it's important. And I agree. I believe we need to recycle the black dollar and the black dollar needs to stay in our communities more than a few hours. And I'm sure you've heard that statistic, how in some other, you know, cultures and racial, racial, you know, race backgrounds, say like the Asians and the whites, it stays in their community for days, if not weeks. But, you know, we need to buy black more and we need to invest in each other businesses and we need to be more encouraging to each other, not shame people when it comes to money. I know I keep saying shame, but I really believe behind debt is a lot of shame. And once we lift the stigma and talk about money more, we can come together and really change the game. We talk about sex before we talk about money and let's change that or at least talk about money as much as we talk about sex. I really <laughs> believe that. Let's get rid of the stigma and say, okay, if you could talk about sex in your household and I even go to church, I think I hear about sex more at church than I hear about money. And it's like, okay, we need to, we need to change that. So, yeah. you know, definitely. And I can't say it enough to recycle the black dollar. I know a lot of companies, especially during this year with all the racial injustice, a lot of people are talking about that. A lot of black community groups have started up, black business groups have started up um, on many different platforms. So we're realizing in order to get where we need to be building wealth in our communities, we need to come together and we need to recycle that black dollar. We need to be supporting each other. 
Absolutely. That was a word right there. Let's make money sexy. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Exactly. So thank you for sharing all of your knowledge. And I know you talked a little bit about your business, but what specific services do you offer? And, you know, how's your business going? How has it grown since since you started it? Yeah, so Crusaders for Change and also call it C4C. It's all about empowerment, education, and equipping people with the tools they need to meet their financial goals. So read through that through counseling, coaching, and classes. And similar as you pay a therapist, you know, for um, a session, you know, we kind of have that same kind of model. But then the business is going very well and we're growing at a nice pace even during the pandemic. So I'm very blessed with that just to be able to help people meet their financial goals even right now. People are, you know, you know, some people are doing better than others, as we know, but those that are doing a little better, like, all right, let me focus on paying off my debt and really save for the next hurdle or next emergency. So um, I'm here to definitely, you know, help people meet their financial goals. Wonderful. And I'm, I'm so glad that you are doing well and your business is doing well, despite the pandemic. That's good to hear. Thank you. So someone listening may have a similar passion of what they want to do. Uh, I know you talked a little bit about the opportunity to become a financial counselor early on when you were in the military with your husband. Can you tell us a little bit more about other ways that you can become a financial counselor and a financial fitness coach? Yeah, so I was blessed to be accepted in the FINRA, which is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority Investor Education Foundation's Military Spouse Fellowship back in 2007 to receive my accredited financial counselor certification, which I completed in 2008. And I completed my financial fitness coach certification in 2019. So both programs were very rigorous, but well worth it. Military spouses can find out more about the Spouse Fellowship at saveandinvest.org. And then for anybody just seeking to become a financial counselor or a coach, um, AFCPE, which is the Association for Financial Counseling and Planning Education, or their website is afcpe.org, um, will provide more information on those programs. And AFCPE is a nonprofit and is, is an amazing organization helping people um, obtain both of these certifications. And they're really committed now, especially with the racial injustice going on, helping you know minority and people of color organ um, communities obtain these certifications because they understand the importance of you know helping us in these communities. Great. How how long did it take? So I know you said they were both rigorous programs, but is there a standard amount of time that it takes? Yeah. So they give you up to three years, and if you need an extension, I think they do up to um, uh, six months. For me, because I came back. From, came from the credit union background and had two degrees in psychology and kind of was able to complete less practicum hours because they do require practicum hours. So for the accredited financial counselor certification, it took me only a year, um, but it normally takes around two years or more. It's a self-study program, but it does have webinars and now they're going to offering like mock counseling and other great uh, resources to help you get through that mentoring as well. And then the financial fitness coaching certification I started in 2016, which was actually the same year I started my business and the same year I was going through a lot of stuff at Coast Guard when I was working there. So I was like, oh, man, I'm never going to finish this. So that, 
unfortunately took three years, but fortunately I'm glad it did because it allowed me more time to understand and go through the program and understand how it could really just, you know, um, complement the financial counseling certification. Because a lot of times I do a lot more counseling because that's more the behavior modification and the coaching is more, you know, empowering people to use the tools they already have and help holding them accountable or helping them to hold themselves accountable. Um, but the long answer, <laughs> sorry, but the short answer is around two to three years for each program, depending on how motivated you are. Okay. And you sound extremely motivated. And <laughs> that, oh, <laughs> that, that sounds like a lot. Um, but hearing that you are so motivated and so passionate about this, what, what's next? What's your next goal? What's your next dream um, that you're pursuing? Wow, that's a good question, because really, I'm in a place where I'm just obedient to God and just wanting him to show me I have learned my lesson after not being I wouldn't say I wasn't obedient um, for the full 10 years that it took me because I got the calling in 2006 and started the business in 2016. But just really being, you know, obedient to his, you know, calling and also to having my spirit show me where I need me move in what direction. Um, but I know I see in the future just more opportunities to help people. Um, eventually, hopefully in next year, I was planning this year, but the pandemic hit us. But in 2021, growing off hiring more or hiring counselors and educators to help the business and help the people um, I have a lot of, you know, back office people to help me. Um, but I'm definitely excited about the growth aspect. Um, and just branching out and doing other great things and, you know, meeting great people like you and other people. I, that's been the, one of the best things about the pandemic. I have met so many people throughout the you know, United States of America that I never probably would have met. And, you know, I did a lot of traveling before with the business and the contract I have, but the military, but I, I the business um, aspect of it, I'm excited about the entrepreneur and, you know, find other ways to make money and meet all of those goals and list of items that I share earlier to building wealth so i'm excited about that yeah that is exciting and you're right i agree i have met so many people during the pandemic that i probably would have never met so it, it's been an honor and a pleasure to meet you with all of the exciting things that you have going on i know that we all are going to want to follow along and some people may even want to contact you for your services so what is the best way to do that well, they can visit crusadersforchange.org and that's crusaders, the number four, change.org. They can call and text us at 240-630-2242 and follow Crusaders for Change on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. We also have a really cool YouTube channel with Sandy Change is our avatar. And you can go through her adventures of how she's dealing with her financial issues and able to solve those with a financial counselor and coach. So yeah, we're on a lot of different social media platforms and our website very proud of that had it updated last year and crusaders number four change.org okay wonderful so it's always easy when it's the same handle throughout all of the social media platforms so that's very easy to remember well this has been a wonderful conversation and i am inspired to take the information that you shared and actually put it into practice and to continue to share it because i do believe that we need to share this information with each other because just because we all build wealth, it doesn't take away from any individual. So, um, so I'm really excited about that. So I just want to thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of SOAR. 
If you'd like to reach me for coaching, you can reach me at www.stephaniebrowncoaching.com. And if you want to follow SOAR, you can follow Sisters Overcoming and Rising on Instagram or Stephanie Brown Coaching on Facebook. Goodbye for now. 